Today is going to be our last look um, on a Sunday morning for the minute at 1 Samuel. And the chapters that I'm looking at are chapters 27 through to 31. Now, unlike Ben, who is happy sitting down, I have to stand up because I end up waving my hands about too much. So it's not that I know it all. (laughs) It's just that I need the ability um, to to move about a bit. Um, And what I'm hoping to do this morning is um, have a little look about where we started, um, what we've seen along the way, and then we're going to focus a little bit on the last three chapters and I'm hoping to do that all in about 20 minutes-ish, okay? Um, Some of you may remember um, that uh, just before we started the series on Samuel we put together a little plan and some of the information from the plan was, was basically based on kind of commentaries where we tried to pull stuff together and just give you a, a, an overview for uh, Samuel as a whole. And then there was a kind of a reading plan on the back. Now any of you who actually have their plan with them are going to be in a distinct advantage in a minute. Could we go to the next slide, please? Um, so... These are the headings that I have in my Bible. So we've got David amongst the Philistines, we've got Saul and the witch of Endor, David sent to Ziklag, David destroys the Amalekites, and Saul takes his own life. Um, Now, I'm not going to be able to cover everything, and I'm not going to do David sent to Ziklag and David destroying the Amalekites. Um, But if you um, look at those chapters, um, I think, I can't, hang on, it is 29 and 30. I'd like to just leave a thought with you really, which is Saul was asked by the Lord at some point to destroy all the Amalekites. And he never did it. And in those two chapters there, that is something that David does. And I just wonder whether that's a kind of an indication of why David is, if you like, now has the Lord's anointing. Um, So we're going to look at David amongst the Philistines, Saul and the witch of Endor, and Saul taking his own life. Um, But before we do that, if I could have the next slide, please, Keith. Right, what I would like you to do, I'm going to give you five minutes. I want you to get into small groups of two or three. And I want you using, if you look at your sheet, at the bottom there's a table that lists names and some little phrases... I want you to see if you can put in the right order who started the series on Samuel, okay, and see if you can get the order right. And there's some little phrases there that people will have mentioned in their preach. I'm not going to take these back in, okay? I'm not checking on you. (laughs) 
but I just thought it'd be interesting to see what you remember. I, in preparation for today, I've listened to all the preaches but one. Um, and it is quite interesting listening to them all together. So, like I say, I want you to uh, try and put them in order. So you need to obviously decide who kicked off the series in Samuel. And I'm going to give you five minutes. Just go for it, okay? sitting or stop doing what you're doing Keith, Keith could you do the next slide for me okay here are the answers um, Keith Actually, Keith's is the only preach that I haven't been able to listen to because um, I don't think we've decided there isn't a recording of it. All the other preaches are recorded and I think we're just waiting for Peter's to go on the website. But all the others are currently on the church's website and you don't even need to log on. You can click on... Um, I can show you if you want to know, but you can click on it and you can listen to them. So, basically, Keith kicked off the series. He talked about a somebody or a nobody and the fact that God, God uses us. Barbara followed the next week. It was about the ark and her challenge to us was how do we respond to difficulty? Do we work out our own solution or do we ask the Lord? Uh, Jim, ordinary people, an extraordinary God, and he, after he he kind of talked about uh, the in, stuff in Samuel, he particularly took us to Galatians two verse twenty, which is about. Um, it's Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Then Brian did the armour bearer. Um, and when I listened to what he had to say, the thing that stood out for me was um, the kind of being of one heart, that the armour bearer supported Jonathan and was one heart with Jonathan. And also the kind of the faith and uh, bravery of that person. And then Peter looked at Goliath and um, one of the things that stood out for me listening to that because I've listened to the, the recording because I wasn't in here at the time was um, about times that we have to do battle and what equipment can we use and there was a whole list of different things that we can use to help us and then Abby King looked at the relationship between Jonathan and David and kind of highlighted a number of things but I think for me talked about how Jonathan recognised what God was doing in David and submitted to the plan then Tim followed with the what if 
um, what if Saul had really repented and talked about the revelation of the work of God in our lives and then last week Ben talked to us and I pulled out of that you know the focus was on a man after God's heart and about submission to God obviously those people said an awful lot more but in just trying to pull something together um, that's what came out for me and I think it is quite interesting to listen to them all and just try and pick up some of the threads now what I'm going to do for the next kind of few minutes is actually look at the chapters that were given to me so if I could have the next slide please Keith this is slightly cheating because this is not in one of my chapters it's just before it's the end of verse 20 uh, chapter 26 and I we have a, a, a kind of a conversation between Saul and David and do you remember David had nipped in and got the jug of water and the spear and then there's a conversation and I think um, I don't know uh, for me there's a bit of a sadness about this conversation um, Saul is saying you know um, where is it I've sinned come back David my son and David responds and kind of talks about my king and my lord and in earlier chapters we see David responding and calling Saul his father um, but in this conversation he doesn't and this is the last time that David has a conversation with Saul he never never sees him again before Saul dies and there are a number of questions for me here had we, we don't know do we had Saul really repented of his attitude towards David we're just never going to know that I, I wondered with the response that, that David had whether there'd been a kind of a hardening of his heart because we've had all those chapters haven't we where Saul's been trying to kill David and David's been escaping and then Saul's said no it's it's all right come back and then he's had to run off again and that's happened again and again and I just wonder whether at this stage because this this is just coming before David goes off to the Philistines uh, and Carol and I were talking about this during the week and um Part of me wonders, when Carol and I were talking, we were just wondering between us whether, when David goes off to the Philistines, whether he'd lost the plot a bit. Um, but this conversation with Saul is just, just before then. And I wonder what was going on in David's heart as he ran off to go to the Philistines. Um, and if you read into Second Samuel... When Saul is dead, David writes a lament, like a, a poem, for Saul and David. And with some of the reading that I've done, some of the writers kind of have suggested that the kind of strength of the sorrow and the lament that David expresses, you know, does that imply some kind of guilt for David about his view of Saul just towards the end because there was a real tension for David wasn't there he was the Lord Saul was the Lord's anointed David was very clear about that and yet I don't know how I would feel if somebody was welcoming me one minute 
and the next minute was trying to kill me and then welcoming me. That, that would be, I think, really, really confusing. And I just wonder what was going on in, in David's, David's heart. But this is, if you like, this is what um, preludes him going off to the Philistines. And I just wonder for ourselves, often people give us, can give us mixed messages and we can get into to difficulties. And if we look at this last conversation that David had with Saul, which seems to me doesn't offer David a resolution, does it? They, they don't really make their peace. Saul holds out as it were, an olive branch. But David seems very formal in his response. And I suppose I wanted to encourage us um, that we should always look to try and resolve situations with people. Um, that we shouldn't let things drag on. Um, you know, there's various verses about anger, isn't there, in the New Testament? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And Abby, when she talked about Jonathan and David, uh, focused our attention um, into Hebrews as well. Um, the bit that I've got here, this is the bit in your anger, do not sin. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and don't get, give the devil a foothold. So I know we're looking at David and Saul, but it's about a relationship, isn't it? And so much of what's running through Samuel is about the different kind of relationships. And so I, I'm, I'm just encouraging us to reflect on our own relationships and make sure that we don't leave things undone, that we, we bring to them to a conclusion if we can. Um, and if we're prompted... Um, you know, sometimes we don't realise there's a problem and then maybe circumstances change and while we're in those circumstances we have a realisation that we have caused offence or we've done something that's been misunderstood and if we get that realisation that's the Holy Spirit prompting us and we should respond to that and allow the Holy Spirit to, to deal with us um, on that thing. So like I say this is, this is the conversation that David had just before he went, into the Philist went off to the Philistines and perhaps we could have the next slide, thank you um, this, is, this is a great picture isn't it I couldn't resist it. I did have a certain somebody in mind when I chose this picture. Um, there's a, it's called, the, it's from, I think it's called the Brick Testament. There's a whole set of images that go with this. Obviously, what he, David is saying here, one of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing for me to do is to escape. So I'm not saying that... David shouldn't have gone off but it seems a very odd place to go. He went off to his enemies um, and you kind of think what was his, what was his thinking? Um, and also the other thing that I thought when I looked at this, so often we see David inquiring of the Lord shall I go up? 
shall I do this? Um, and in this instance, this particular part of the story, I mean, it actually says in, verse, in chapter 27, but David thought to himself, and it just made me think about the times when I think to myself and I come to a conclusion and actually maybe I haven't actually inquired of the Lord whether my conclusion is the right one and that seems to be an example here for David it seems such a contrast to the other times when he's seeking God this time he just thinks about it himself and makes a decision and goes off to the Philistines I also wondered when I looked at this about whether he'd got to the stage when he wasn't sure whether he could trust his own reactions or the reactions of his men. Because if we think of the chapters beforehand where he kept coming and, you know, snipping a bit off the robe or getting the jug and his men were saying, go on, now's your chance. And David was saying, no, Saul is the Lord's anointing, anointed. I wondered whether David had got to a point where he thought, do you know what, I'm not sure I can manage this. I'm not sure the men can. What would happen if we have another meeting like this and I can't control myself or one of my men think, oh, I'm, you know, David's got God's blessing on him and I'm going to help things along the way. Because we have such clear statements, don't we, about David keeps saying, Saul is the Lord's anointing, anointed, I'm not going to put a hand against him. And Ben last week talked about the fact that sometimes when we maybe feel we have a calling from God and something's not happening, he reminded us to be confident about God's timing and not kind of push things forward. So I suppose I'm just looking at this and thinking, I wonder what's going through David's mind. Because he might think, if I stay here and one of my men kills Saul because they think they're doing the right thing for me, what kind of position am I going to be in? I thought he was playing a bit of a dangerous game, going to the enemy. Um, If you listen back to Pete's preach about David and Goliath, Peter had some things to say about cohabiting with the enemy. And I think the phrase that I picked out was that Peter reminded us of the dangers of living with the enemy because often it means compromise and looking over your shoulder. So here was David going off to his enemy and I thought he was playing quite a dangerous game because he seemed to be working for the Philistines but actually he was doing his own kind of agenda because the king of the Philistines, is it Ashish? I don't know how you pronounce it. He kind of welcomed David and David had the freedom to go off and do his own thing and what this guy didn't know was that David was going off going to a place killing them all and then going back and of course nobody went back to the Philistines because there was no there were no witnesses there was nobody to say what David was doing and so the Philistine guy thought he was going off and attacking Israel whereas in reality what David was doing was going off and attacking some of the Philistine friends I don't think from my reading it suggests that David wasn't going off and killing other Philistines just people who were supportive of the Philistines um, and 
The other thing that I, I, I kind of thought maybe it's self-evident out of this particular chapter is Saul does actually stop looking for David when he goes off. Um, so you could say in David's thinking about oh, I'm going to get out of this situation and I'm going to go off here it did actually end that chasing between them um, the kind of sad thing um, about it is that later in the story when, we get in, when you get into 2 Samuel there is still a lot of fighting between the different elements and I wondered if David thought okay I'll disappear to the Philistines Saul will stop looking for me we'll have more peace between us and we won't have any of this infighting actually when you read on further there still is a certain amount of infighting even after Saul is dead and before David is anointed as king so there are a number of things I think going on there um, and obviously we have to, I think, reach our own conclusions about what were the motivations. Um, but like I say, we need to just think through about do we always ask God for God's direction? Do sometimes we just think about it ourselves? Okay, can we have the next slide? Now this next chapter, Saul and the Witch of Endor, um, I couldn't resist this picture. Um, you notice the pictures are all quite different. This is a William, uh, a William Blake picture. Couldn't resist the association. Um, and he had the most. He used to do the most kind of, kind of almost fantastic kind of paintings. Very expressive. And so in this picture, you have got, I'm presuming, Saul on your left. And the witch on the right, and this is Samuel in the middle coming up. Now, I've read this chapter a number of times, and I've read a few of the commentaries, and I think this is a really weird chapter. I just can't get my head round it. And to be honest, the commentaries are not that helpful either. Um, so I, I, I was thinking, what what is this about? Um, and I, I thought about, I suppose for one thing, maybe it's a demonstration about how desperate Saul had become and how far away he had moved from the man who was anointed to be king. Um, I thought, when I read this, that he seemed abandoned, alone and desperate. And I think my personal response in these last few chapters is to feel compassion for Saul. He's a lost guy and he's heading towards destruction and you can't help but feel for, for what's happening. And the bonkers thing about this chapter is that... Um, <coughs> He, go, he makes a decision, well, I'm going to go, I need to talk to Samuel. I'm going to go to this witch and I'm going to get her to get me Samuel. And when he goes, what you read about is her response. Because at some point previously, he's 
damned all witches and mediums and kind of on point of death. And so here he is in disguise, which is a bit of a giveaway really. I think if we put a disguise on to go and do something, it usually means we're not quite sure about what we're doing. Um, So he's disguised himself, he goes off and he wants her to do this and she doesn't want to do it. And he uses the Lord's name as an oath to get her to do that. I mean, how how mixed up is that? You know, he uses the Lord's name about, yes, we'll we'll do this. Um, And the other thing I don't understand is, how come Samuel kind of comes up out of the ground? I mean, I just don't, I just don't know. So, when Samuel does come up, of course, poor old Saul, obviously looking for comfort, to hear Samuel and what does Samuel say? Samuel reminds him of everything that he said when he was alive about how God had torn the kingdom from him and then prophesies that you know tomorrow you and your sons are going to be with me and if you look at the chapter poor old Saul he just keels out completely Um, and they're really concerned, they get some food, he's not eaten. And I just think, poor guy. So my, my two reflections out of this are, the first one is, I think Saul had lost it big time. If, if you look back to who he was, this, um, it just doesn't fit in with him. And another element that I think I see in his character is how he responds to the challenge when he's in the wrong. Now, I don't know what you're like when you're challenged and somebody points out that you're in the wrong. Some of us make lots of excuses and then maybe go away and think about it. Others of us just kind of squirm on the spot and try and make light of it. Others of us are really good at saying... Do you know what? You're completely right. I'm in the wrong. And, you know, please forgive me. And when I look at Saul and David, there are two incidents where Saul particularly let God down. One was at Gilgal, which is in chapter 15, I think, where Samuel's done the anointing. He said, you're king. Now you go off here and you meet me in Gilgal and I will do the offerings. And what does Saul do? He goes off and does all that. He waits for Samuel to come to Gilgal, but Samuel doesn't arrive. Um, And he gets ahead of himself and decides to do the offerings. And he shouldn't have done. And the other time is the Amalekites. He doesn't kill them. And when Samuel challenges him, he says, yes, but, but. When I look at David, David also messes up. The ones that I could see was when David was challenged, he owned up. He didn't make excuses. He recognised he was in the wrong. And so my challenge to you is to think about how do you respond when somebody says to you, I think you're in the wrong. And if you need to repent and put things right, do you do it or do you make lots of excuses? Because the heart that recognises 
when you are in the wrong and puts it right, I think is the heart that's after God. And if we find that we squirm and make excuses, that's where we need the Holy Spirit to soften our heart so that we have a different kind of response. So that's one aspect that I'd like you to think about. The second one, I'm just realising what the time is, the witchcraft element. The Bible is really clear that God's people should have nothing to do with anything that comes under the label of witchcraft. Um, And in Deuteronomy it says, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter into the fire. Well, we might think, no, no, I wouldn't do that who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. So I think that we need to be careful that we don't get drawn into anything that would fit under that broad label of witchcraft. I mean... I shudder when I think back to the Middle Ages and how the church, in the name of God, killed hundreds and hundreds of women because they thought they were witches. I'm not saying let's go on a witch hunt. I'm just saying, as ourselves, people who have the Holy Spirit within us, we can't mix the holiness of God with stuff that comes with witchcraft. And so we need to be careful that we don't get drawn into it. Um, and I thought to myself, maybe when people do, you know, seek this kind of thing, a medium, I wonder whether they're trying to get some kind of understanding or some revelation. And if we want understanding or revelation, who is the person that we should go to for that? It's the Lord, isn't it? If we go somewhere else for that, I think it's like idolatry. Idolatry is such an Old Testament word, and I probably wouldn't use it in my everyday conversation. But basically, if we go somewhere else to get understanding um, about our future, about ourselves, rather than getting that understanding from the Lord, we're in danger of putting some other thing on a pedestal above God. Um, yeah, I'll just stop there, I think. Um, right, I'm conscious of the time, so we're going to zip along a bit. Can we have the next slide, please? We've got two, two slides left. Um, one click. Okay, the death of Saul. There are two stories... End of 1 Samuel and the beginning of 2 Samuel about how Saul dies. And in the original, shall we say, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel were just Samuel. They weren't split into two books. And it's a bit confusing that we have two different kind of ways of describing how Saul dies. Um, The commentaries they're kind of saying, well, you could believe one or you could believe the other. So I think if you want to do some more reading on that, I'll let you have a look at it, because I think what we just need to know is that at this point, Saul dies, and I feel really sad for him. Um, 
He's in the middle of a battlefield. The Philistines have kind of won it. His sons are lying dead around him. And he's on his own. Um, And in the story at the end of Samuel, he's injured and he says to his armour bearer, finish me off. Rather than let the Philistines get me and kind of abuse me, just finish me off. And the armour bearer can't do it. And so it says that Saul fell on his sword, which is what we've, we've got here. Um, I think with either of the stories of Saul's death, I suppose the important thing is that Saul didn't die at the hand of David, which is what he really didn't want to happen. He wanted to be careful not to do that. And I wonder if we could have the next the next slide. This is David anointed as king. Now I'm not really going to say a great deal about that because that's all in the next book, but I think you need to understand that when Saul died, it was some years before David gets anointed as king over all Israel. It could be as long as about 10 years. There's lots of fighting, lots of sorting out before, if you like, David gets to that point where he knows he's been called to. And my reflection in looking about some of these things is that there are always consequences to our actions. And even in the grace of God, we can receive forgiveness for things that we do. Are consequences to our actions. If I was, there might be different types of consequences. I mean, if I, let me see, if I lied to Barbara, I might cause offence to Barbara when she's realised that I've lied, and obviously I I, I might cause offence to God because I'm doing something that I shouldn't do. It's a kind of, it has a consequence, but it may be as a limited consequence. It's going to damage our relationship. However, if I murdered Barbara, okay, sorry, I'm just you, sorry, Barbara. This is, if I murder Barbara, I might be able, oh, no, not I might, I could be forgiven. I could be forgiven by the Lord for murdering somebody. The consequences of my action would be far more profound. Um, and I'm looking at this, I'm looking at these two men, Saul and David, and I'm thinking, do you know, all through their lives at different times, they did things, some fantastic things, but some fantastically awful things. And there are consequences. To those and dotted through the books, there are little things that come up that are a consequence of somebody's wrongdoing. So let's bring every part of ourselves, every heart attitude, every element of ourselves, let's make sure that we bring that through to Jesus and know His grace in us. Okay, last slide. When I, um, just hang on a minute, oh, that's all right, <laughs> oh, quick work, Keith. When Abby Green came, as part of what she was talking about, slightly different context, she talked about knowing our song, about who we are. 
When I listen to all the preaches as part of this series, for me, one of the key big themes that stood out was, am I going to do things God's way or am I going to do it my way? I did try and get you the song, but it all got too complicated. (laughs) Alright, so our way or God's way? In Barbara's preach, she asked us how we deal with difficulties. How do we respond? Do we work out our own solution or do we ask for God's way? Jim talked about... Um, the fact that we can't do things. We need Christ that is in us to help us to do things because we can't do them on our own. Um, I could go down the list and pull out some elements from those, those preaches. But for me, that phrase, my way or God's way, is sums up a key theme that runs through Samuel. And if I could have the next one, please. We had an example, didn't we, in Jesus, who said, yet not as I will, but as you will. We have a very graphic example of Jesus saying to the Father, not what I want, but what you want. And I want to remind us that those of us that love the Lord and make him our Lord, our attitude should be, not as I will, but as you will. And so can I encourage you in um, facing difficult circumstances and in uh, maybe when we lose the plot, you know, when we do make a big mess, to always come back and know that Jesus is there, his grace is for us. And if we choose his way, we will know great blessing. I just, I'm going to finish with reading you uh, one, two set of verses. I can't remember which chapter they come out of. I think it's in chapter 15 of Samuel. And, it's, and um, Samuel is saying this to Saul. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, to listen, is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now obviously that's quite damning, but I suppose for me... To obey the Lord is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better. He is likening rebellion to witchcraft and seeking after other things. Um, So let's, you know, look at our hearts, make sure that when the Holy Spirit prompts us, or when the Holy Spirit prompts us through somebody else, that we go back and we say, Lord, I want to choose your way, not my way. Lord, that would be our prayer, 
Lord, that we want to choose your way and not our own way. But Lord, you know sometimes we do choose our own way. And we thank you, Lord, that you are so generous and gracious, that your hand of compassion and forgiveness is towards us. Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, keep us in a safe place. And Lord, I pray that you would um, water the relationships amongst us. Lord, that we would be seen as a people who love God, who choose God, and who are running after you in the same, with the same passion and desire as, Lord, you have shown that you pursue us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.